0: Well, hey there, welcome back to another episode of the Online Marketing Made Easy Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Porterfield, and as always, I am absolutely thrilled that you're tuning in. I know you've got a lot of options when it comes to podcasts, so the fact that you're tuning in today means the world to me, and thanks for doing so. Okay, so here's the deal where are my Oprah fans out there? I feel so silly saying that because isn't that everyone in the whole entire world? Or is that just how my mind works? I mean, I can't imagine you not being an Oprah fan. So if you are a diehard Oprah fan like I am, then you would have watched the docu-series called Season 25, Oprah Behind the Scenes. Ugh, It was so good. So if you watched it, then you remember a woman named Sherry Salata, who was an executive producer for the Oprah Winfrey show and also co-president of Harpo Studios and own Oprah's network. She is a powerhouse to say the least. I remember watching Sherry in her Bulldogs because there was a scene where she was at her house and she was waking up in the morning coming into the Oprah show. And I was watching her thinking, How does this woman do it all? Like, how does she keep it all together? She was amazing. Well, guess what? She still is amazing, and she's on the show today. So Sherry is real and raw and smart and funny. She's one of those girls that I just want to go over to her house and have a glass of wine with her and laugh and talk and tell stories. Like That's the kind of woman she is. And at the same time, she's so freaking smart that you want to listen to every word she says. Well, you can listen to a lot of words she says because she just wrote her first book. It's called The Beautiful No and Other Tales of Trial, Transcendence, and Transformation. And we're going to talk about her life transformation after working with Oprah for 20 years. Besides being a new author, Sherry is also a podcaster. She co-hosts The Sherry and Nancy Show. You'll hear me reference it like four times in this interview because I freaking love it, with her best friend, Nancy. It's a really fun podcast to listen to, and they talk about an approach to life that they call the pillar life. So check that out too. It's really, really good. But before we get there, a few things. Number one, as always, a listener shout out. So this is a shout out to RB5934. I know that's weird, but that's their name on iTunes, who left a sweet note and said, Amy and I aren't strangers. We're just friends who haven't met yet. She always knows the perfect thing to say to encourage listeners and to truly equip us with the tools that make me want to pursue my dreams. I'm always so much more motivated to work when I know how to do a good job and Amy provides all the steps. I love that. As I'm listening to Amy, I can tell she's smiling as she teaches. I am. That's like my little secret. I always try to smile when I teach. That's the sign of someone who truly wants people to succeed, and that's why she's my very fave. You're awesome, Amy Porterfield, and I'm so thankful for your trainings. Now, look, it's a little bit weird to sing my praises on my podcast, but I like to do these shout-outs because, first of all, thank you so much for writing them. Thanks for taking the time to do so. And also, I just really appreciate you finding the value in what I do. And I just want you to know that it truly lights me up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Sherry, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here. Amy, this is a red letter day for me (laughs) in my life. I love it. I love love having you here. I am a huge fan. I absolutely love your podcast and I love everything that you're putting out there, but I especially love your new book, The Beautiful No, and other tales of trial, transcendence, and transformation. So first of all, congrats on the book. Thanks, Amy. Oh my gosh. It's my first time. So it is quite a big deal. I bet. I mean, can you believe how much work went into this book. Every friend I have that wrote an amazing book says, holy cow, that was all the blood, sweat, and tears I have in me.
1: I feel a little bit like I'm walking through the world without skin, (laughs) if that gives you any idea.
0: Okay. So that makes me not want to write a book. However, when I read your book, I thought, oh, I get it. I get why she had to write this book. So we have so much to cover, but If it's not so weird, I was hoping I could read just a little bit from the opening of the book, chapter one, page one. Can I go there? Please. Okay. So guys, listen up. This is what it says. It's really short. It's 8.30 a.m. in the morning, and I'm still in bed. Bella and Kissy, my English bulldogs, are snoring in unison. Outside, birds chirp in what sounds like an acapella choral arrangement interwoven with the far-off buzz of neighborhood lawnmowers. Haven't heard those sounds on a weekday in ages. I feel as if I've woken up in another dimension. Where am I? Who am I? What's happening? The sun is up, morning has broken, and I have nowhere to go. Nowhere to be. My calendar is empty for the first time in decades. Oh, that just hit me. I mean, that is a powerful opening, especially knowing that you were 56 years old on that morning. You had just retired from your dream job executive producing The Oprah Winfrey Show and running OWN, and you call it day one of life after Oprah. That's right. Uh, oh, my gosh. Woo! Okay. I'm like right there with you. I just got chilled. <laughs> it's so good. That opening is just brilliant. Okay. So you got to just take me there really quick. Give me just like a flashback, like a day in the life of Sherry Salata before that day happened. Like, what did that life look like? Well, really, Amy,
1: there were two different lives. Um, By the time I had risen through the ranks and was the EP of The Oprah Show, the executive producer, and I was the executive producer for the last five years of the show, that was... That kind of life was, oh my gosh, you know, people say, well, it's not brain surgery when they're trying to kind of put you in your place of how important you think you are. Yep. But um, for those of us who worked with Oprah on the Oprah Winfrey show, it sure did feel like brain surgery. It, it felt like we had millions of people all around the world who were counting on us. And certainly for for, for me and the staff, we felt that Oprah was counting on us. And, you know, we, we took that charge very seriously. It, it was a is sacred trust for us. So that life was very much like, seven in the morning till 10 at night. We we taped two shows a day and it was, you know, they were like primetime specials. And in between those tapings, we were preparing for the next day, the next week, the next month and the rest of the year. So, and and w- all weekend long, things would be happening, um, you know, because life happens. People have to cancel, you know, movie stars can't get into town. And it was, it was quite a ride. And I, I have to tell you that, you know, it was maybe one of the next to running a 7-Eleven, the most
0: stressful, (laughs) stressful job I ever had. It was really, it was really tough. I know, and I need to put this out there, and I already said this in the intro. I know that my time with Tony Robbins was a sliver based on what you did at Oprah. I realize that. But I often tease being in that environment with a high-energy person, going, 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 I feel like I might have lost a few years off my life. (laughs) So I, Yeah. So I can only imagine if I felt that way, what you would have felt like in this humongous position that you held. Okay. So that was your life then. We're going to talk about what happened afterwards. But before we get there, I want to talk about this book because you were actually Oprah's book club producer at one point, and now you've actually published a book yourself. So two questions. How did you come to the place where you decided to write the book? Because that's a really big decision. And did your role as being a part of that book club producer and being the producer there speak into how you actually wrote the book? Like, did you learn some things along the way? Well, honestly, I
1: would say I have so much respect for authors because of that I book bet. club experience. Um, I, I hold them in in reverence. So, I mean, the crust for me to think that I have something to say. But um, in, a, in a wonderful, uh, meaningful conversation with a literary legend, Jennifer Rudolph Walsh, and Karen Rinaldi, who is the publisher and editor of Harpo Wave, an imprint of HarperCollins, they felt like I had a story and I had something to say, and I and I actually did, Amy. I felt like. Listen, people think that like I I hatched out of an egg and I was running Oprah's companies, but nothing could be further from the truth. I was 35 years old on day one at the Oprah Winfrey Show in an entry level position. It was about the third, fourth, or fifth time I had started completely over um, since graduating from college. And I, up until that moment, I felt like a total and complete failure. I was broke as could be, and I had begun to think that dreams just don't come true.
0: Okay. I need Everybody to hear that because when I was doing my research and I read you were 35 and you had just started the position in an entry level, I thought every single person listening needs to hear that you get to reinvent yourself at any time. You get to start over at any time and you are proof because you did it again when you were in your fifties. So that's right. You are such proof that you can always be following dreams and doing things differently. Okay. So that part pretty much blows my mind. Now, I do have a question for you, and then we're going to get into some of the specifics of what life looked like afterwards. But when you thought about writing this book and people came to you and said, like, you've got a book. I know you've got a book and we want to publish it. When did you realize you had a story in you to tell? Well, I've always been a writer and i'm i've been a
1: storyteller since i you know could stand up in shoes so the art of storytelling storytelling was always a part of my life and i was always a bit of a producer and 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 when you when you're writing tales you're also a bit of a producer so that's kind of been the the B track of my life is storytelling yes nothing moves me more than when somebody gets really vulnerable and in a funny, humorous way kind of reveals their foibles and their lessons. And I felt like, wow,
0: I've got a bag of those. (laughs) You You tell such great stories in this book. I mean, you guys have to get your hands on it. But, okay, so I've got some questions for you. You decided to do some deep soul searching and reinvent your life to be your own dream come true life. I love what you wrote in your book. I gotta read I, I'm a little bit obsessed with the book right now, but i gotta <laughs> I gotta read one more part. You said, it takes courage to choose to dream rather than simply to continue down the same path. For many of us middle-of-lifers, we have thought and behaved our way into such big ruts that we don't even know we're stuck in them. We can't see how routinized, did I say that word right? Routinized? Yes, yeah, I, I say I say routinized. routinized but I, I like I, routinized better. Yes. <laughs> we can't see how routinized our expectations have become. Okay, so talk to us about your process of reckoning.
1: Well, here is the truth. Let's break down what a rut really is. And while it's so insidious and dangerous, the truth of the matter is, Amy, you don't know you're in a rut until you're out of it. So you you can spend you can spend years in it. And I had the kind of career that people would pluck out an eyeball for, but oh my god, once I was out of my rut and raised my eyeballs up and saw what was going on in the world I thought, wow, you can even have that career lottery win kind of job I did and still for 10 years it's the same way to work the same way home from work. It's, you know, and and you get in in into these routines where you don't even realize you're you're you've choked off the life force from running through your own body that you do everything the same way because there's no time to think up anything new and it's not until you are you force yourself to like jump the track and your head goes up over those canyony sides and you breathe new air and you say wow life is much more interesting than i thought yes and and for me that was like you know i'd wander and you know i, th- I thought everybody was going to be my friend and, and this is this is shortly after I left own I walk into the bank hi friends hi everybody I'm <laughs> Sherry. And thinking that we're going to, we're going to be friends and I'm going to see you and we're going to get to know each other. And that was such a fun thing for me because for years, my beloved assistants would run to the bank and cash checks for me because I couldn't leave my chair. <laughs> oh and, man! You know, I'd go into coffee shops and I'd see, I'd see these entrepreneurial people literally running empires from their laptops or writing screenplays from their laptops. And I thought, Wow. This is a whole new world that I had no idea this was going on. And that's what it felt like for me. When, when I broke out of that rut, I thought, okay, here's the truth, girl. You've had a dream come true career, but you do not have a dream come true life. And you are going to have to do a serious reckoning with the tenderest of hearts to get to the core of the kind of life you really dream of.
0: Uh. So good. So good. I know there are so many people in my audience that can relate to this idea of waking up and realizing, wait a second, something's not right here. And also, a lot of my listeners talk about playing it safe. And we have this theme this year that we keep talking about going big and being a big deal because it's so easy to play it safe and choose the path of least resistance. So it does take courage to make a big change in the direction of your life. So what can you tell someone listening who is hearing your story and they want to make a change, but they're frozen in fear, or they don't even know where to start. Well, th- this is one of the things. So so my
1: podcast co-host, Nancy Halla, and one of my best friends of 30 years, and my business partner, my entrepreneurial business partner, she raised two great kids. She had a, a freelance writing business and, and brand strategy. And she and I were sitting there, we, we used to call it Chardonnay dreaming on, on our second or, or, or third glass. We'd really say, <laughs> you know, what is it you want? What is it you want? And, you know, we, th- we both were kind of like, okay, we've got some really strong areas, but we yes. haven't made our dreams come true all the way. And we came up with a mission statement and it was this, it's never too late to make the rest of your dreams come true. And if not now, When? Mm-hmm. And for me, now, mind you, I had a front row seat to the most prolific wisdom keepers of our time. Deepak, Dr. Phil, Dr. Oz, Yanla, Marianne Williamson, the list goes on. And the the little footnote to that me, for me was, and if not now, maybe never. Mm. If not now, when? And if not now, maybe never. And, and, and that's the thing. You only get a now. You get the day you wake up in, and that's it. You know, tomorrow is not promised. And I think, you know, for me and and for many people who are in this frozen moment, there's a part of you that started to believe that you can't dream big and that you can't have the life of your dreams And, you know, what I know is true is that we're all supposed to live the life of our dreams. And so, you know, for me, what that means is I need to excavate and figure out what are those things that create the joyride for me? What's personal for me? Because that's the path to the life of my dreams. And it's true for everybody.
0: There's a reason Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com/madeeasy, all lowercase. So go to shopify.com/madeeasy now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. That shopify.com/madeeasy Okay. So you've actually done a lot of work. So I'm glad you're talking about this because you've done a lot of work to kind of figure out what you want. And at one point in the book, you said that you were in the desert at a detox spa and you you learned the key to renewal was letting go. So talk to us about one of those lessons you learned along the way.
1: Well, listen, I was I was in a shamanic ceremony in the middle of the desert, and I was like, what in the hell are you doing, girl? <laughs> but I started to realize as the chanting began and the deserty winds were blowing that, okay, here's going to be one of the secrets to your new life, Sherry. You have to let go of your hurts. You have to let go of your heartaches. You also have to let go of the top-of-the-mountain experiences in order to start with a fresh page, you can't be clinging to this past. You know, you can't be like always about the past and like, well, at least I did that. Or holding on to resentments and and grievances. You are going to have to let go of everything and clear the slate and start to stir that dream pot again. Just starting to get that little bit of hope that everything you want can manifest.
0: Okay. Okay. This is good. Letting it all go. So wait, tell me what you said again about you have to let go of the top of the mountain moments. Well, listen,
1: I could cling to the, I was the EP of the Oprah show till the cows come home. You can hang quite a few hats on that statement. And and Lord knows that opportunity and those experiences changed my life forever. It was as good as you imagine. But also too, to begin to forge my own way and a new life and my own company with Nancy and and our podcast and and writing a book and creating a whole new vision for my life that isn't surrounded in to do lists and and strangled by to do lists, really. It's like you gotta let go of all of it.
0: You have it, to.
1: It was great and you appreciate every minute of it, and now it's over. So what what are we doing today?
0: Okay, so that actually perfectly leads me into the next question I wanted to ask you, which was about your entrepreneurial journey with Nancy. So one of the areas of your life that you wanted to rewrite was your work life. So you discovered that your best friend Nancy and you had lots of dreams that – converged, and one of those was work-related. So talk about how the two of you embarked on the entrepreneurial journey that you did. Shout out to Nancy. I love her dearly, and I love listening to your podcast together. You girls are so much fun together. So how did that all come about in terms of the work stuff?
1: Well, listen, this is how serious we took. We We made our work making the rest of our dreams come true Ugh. and ma- and making radical self-care our number one priority that that was going to be the move that was going to be the business we would build and if anything professional came out of that well that's great and we took it so seriously that she literally moved out of her condo at the beach and moved into one of my guest rooms <laughs> at my my house in los Feliz <laughs> with her dog percy and every morning we'd get up and say okay What are the pillars of our lives? What are our dreams in these pillars? How can we make our friendship intentional and support each other in upliftment to make those dreams come true? And, you know, I I have to say that I think is the new way. It's the new way to relate to people. Um, you know it's the only conversation I want to have Amy is what we're talking about now that that old way of commiseration and getting everybody to agree that yes, in fact your life is miserable and you've been wronged by everybody you know yes that, that that's no longer that's not the path to the life of your dreams. I can say that for sure.
0: Amen sister, amen. Okay. So in the book you wrote, every bit of content we create is about the helpful ideas we are uncovering as we begin rising up in our fifties to manifest new dreams. Okay. So where we have a similarity is I only teach what I do and what I know. I don't teach anything that I haven't tried, been in the trenches and experienced. And now I teach marketing. So it's very different than yours. But that's why I love what you do because you all are doing it and then you're reporting back. So first of all, it's so cool. Like I recently listened to the podcast episode about the green lifestyle with keto. Yes, Yes. Keto Green. Keto Green. So good. I absolutely loved it. So, but you guys were, you and Nancy were talking about, look, we're going to do this. We're going to report back in a month. We're going to tell you guys about it. And to me, that's the best type of business you can create where you're living it and sharing it. And so you've done that. But here's the deal you were in a whole different world. And my listeners who feel like you can't make this change into the online world, listen up. You were in a whole different world. Now you're in this world where you're creating a website and a podcast. And I know this personally because you and I got to have a talk about a year ago or so about list building. And, And at the time, you're like, I don't understand what that's all about. Like you were starting from scratch. How the heck did you figure all this out? Well, that would
1: be that's the dream that someday we do figure all this out, Amy. But honestly, <laughs> honestly, no, it is really a crack up. I mean, I have to say, at one, you know, there were there were times in all these different categories. You know, I had teams and teams and teams of professional, right. trained, motivated experts and people and staff that were were figuring all this out. So so here here's the truth. The truth is Nancy and I are not tech savvy and we don't want to be. So, th- so when once we uncovered that, Good. Then, then we realized, okay, we, we know as much as we know. we're probably not going to become super technophiles. So let's start reaching out and and availing ourselves of the tools that there are online. For instance, as you know, I've taken two of your your courses and <laughs> love and, you uh, it. and here's what's <laughs> hilarious. Everybody else I'm sure is doing it all digitally. I've got to print out the PDFs and put them in three ring binders.
0: My kind of girl. <laughs> Cause
1: that's with the highlighter. Cause that's yes. how I learned, but you really can avail yourself there. There is the most fantastic information on how to build things, you know, and and also here, here the truth is Amy is that I spent years and years with that very masculine energy of got to make it happen, make it happen, pushing boulders uphill and in this, this new phase, I really want my energy to be magnetic. So, you know, my philosophy is I want to do what I love with people I love for people I love. And if it doesn't fall in any of those categories, I'm not interested. So now it's more of a flow. It's more of a flow. My life is more integrated. I don't have a work life and a personal life. I have one life. And I work to make that one life the life of my dreams.
0: Oh, we can learn so much, all of my listeners, we can all learn so much from this philosophy that you're living by because you've been in the other place, you know the difference and you're walking the talk, which I love. I wanna talk about a topic that you and I have both struggled with and we've both publicly talked about it, which is weight and issues with our weight and struggling with weight loss. And you go deep in your book about your journey, but one thing I loved and would like you to share with my audience is how you came up with a list of words to help you rewrite your story around physically taking care of your body, so tell us about that and how it ties in with your overall mission statement. Well,
1: for sure, w- w- when I did my my reckoning, I'm like, okay, you had a front row seat at Doctor Oz for years, and you know the information. It's like you don't need one more bit of information, girl. Right. You you need to decide that someday is today. Because everything would get put off to my Sunday list. I'll quit smoking someday. I will go plant-based someday. I will, you know, and and I would have ferocious workout things. I'd train for half marathons and go through that grueling thing for eight months. And then when it was over, it was over. So I had to switch my story. My story about working out involved gruelingness, struggle. I don't want to. Maybe next Monday, I don't enjoy it. Like, like, and I just repeat that story over and over and over to myself. And what I realized, and this was true, as true of, of my body as it is of of my love life or anything else that I really wanted to manifest new dreams in. I was like, you have got to start telling a new story. You are a storyteller. You have told some of the most important stories on the planet, so tell yourself a new story about why this matters to you and come up with a new language that inspires you instead of depletes you. So, you know, I just found words I liked, you know, they were words like power. I love the word power and strength and resilience and and flexibility and, and renewal and transcendence and recovery. And when I'd start to tell myself that story, then all of a sudden I could lace up my tennis and go out to that workout and think, this is who I am now. It isn't what I do. This is who I am. I am now a woman who is a worthy steward of her own well-being. And I'm not perfect and I backslide all the time, but overall, that's where I'm headed.
0: Oh, so good. And this whole idea about, you you mentioned the mission statement and you say that the stories we tell ourselves are what makes our dreams come true. So you're saying like, if I tell myself a new story, that's like my mission statement of who I am and what I'm all about. And that's how I'm moving closer to the dreams that I want. That's right.
1: Yeah, that's right. And that's where, and that's where you have all the power you know, you're choosing your thoughts. And, and and you know, sometimes we think, you know, our lives are thinking us instead of we're thinking our thoughts and creating our lives. And it's just not so. We are. Our thoughts are creating our lives. Our thoughts are creating outcomes. Our moods are creating outcomes. And the sooner that we can begin to put some focus on that you know, and some care around that and choosing our language so carefully and really looking and seeing what voice am I allowing to play in my head? Is this the nasty, judgmental voice that tears me down all the time that I'm so familiar with? Or is it the tender voice that says, come on, let's go. You can do this. You feel better when you do this. And it's super important which voice you give airtime to.
0: Super important. So true. Okay, so that leads me to another area of the book, very similar in the sense of I was reading it and I thought, oh my gosh, this is me, more so than I'd like to admit. And you talked about this idea of misery being your compass. You said, feeling awful was my only trigger to make a change. I had unwittingly, un, how do you say it? <laughs> <laughs> unwittingly? <laughs> I don't know what my problem is today. I had unwittingly, I can't do it, Sherry. Say it for me.
1: Unwi- I had unwittingly made misery my compass. Even better when she says it. I, r- okay. I remember that one, yeah.
0: it's And that is exactly how how i do it's almost like sometimes i tease i'm a i'm like a caveman where i have to touch the hot coal ooh that's hot and then i touch it one more time that's hot and i'm like okay i've burned myself enough times i'm going to stop doing that i'd rather not touch it at all is right. is that possible are you saying yeah. that's possible
1: yeah I, w- what i'm saying is that first of all awareness is everything as you and i both know and i was not aware that i had made misery my compass i just would keep going down the wrong road until I was so miserable, I couldn't get out of bed. And then I'd be like, oh my God, I'm so depressed. But the truth was I had many, many signals and red flags earlier on that, whoa, this isn't the happy road. You're not on the joy ride now. Get back on the path. I would take, um, you know, and mostly like career stuff, I would stay in a job and I would, I would, I would turn a a, a job that was meant to be a stopgap to pay some bills into my path to retirement instead of seeing it for what it was and saying, okay, but what's my real dream here? So, and, and it was a really long time and it was probably sometime once I was inside the Oprah show and I was filled with happiness every day was a happy dance um, for a long, long time. And what I realized is, Oh, this is how it's supposed to be. You make happiness, your compass, not misery, so when happiness is your compass you are keenly aware of what feels good and what feels good is almost like the your 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 connection with the divine the force or however you define it guiding you and leading you toward where you really want to go and so it's like okay that feels good okay that was fun okay that felt easy okay that was fulfilling oh wow that felt really meaningful those are all your clues that you're going down a road where where the destination's going to be lovely and wonderful And, and vice versa. So I would just ignore all those signs that, wow, this is really miserable. Wow. This does not feel good at all. Wow. I am not happy one little bit. I would just kind of gloss over it as you described, Amy, and keep marching down the road because I'd already put the time in. I can't quit this job now because I have, you know, $2,000 in my 401k, (laughs)
0: Oh my gosh. I've so been there. I've so been there. I think we all need to look at those areas of our life. Why are we telling ourselves we need to stay with something or stick with something if we genuinely, you know, in your heart and your gut when it's not right anymore and it's time to make a change. So I love the idea of happiness as your compass. And I'm really going to take that with me because that's one area I can definitely work on. Okay. So tell me this, the book is called The Beautiful No, and it comes out next week. So you can pre-order it and I'll tell you guys how to get your hands on it. But before we get there, I really love the reason why you called it The Beautiful No. Yes. Will you talk to us a little bit about that?
1: Well, that that title story is the story about how I got the job at the Oprah Winfrey show. And, and what The Beautiful No was... Um, um the the show had already rejected me years before i had applied to be a promo producer they said no um i'm sorry you're not what we're looking for and they said it nicely and and and, and i'm sure i wasn't what they were looking for i was an agency producer spending 3 months on a 30 second spot and in television you're turning things around overnight um but still you know i felt a little humiliated i, I was disappointed cuz i was like god it really felt like i was supposed to be there okay well let me keep on down my advertising road and let me keep going. And I was up for a a, a big, huge job at a big agency. It was a juicy, sexy job, tons of money, great benefits. And I was literally down to my last nickel. I mean, it was so bad as a freelancer because I was not good at it. Hello, this is Sherry. Will you give me work? You know, (laughs) People would be like, yeah, we'll call you in a couple of weeks. Yeah, okay. Okay. I may be home. I might not be. (laughs) <laughs> you know, you, you've got to be a, a real good salesperson to 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 do that. And yeah. that was not my gift. And um, so I you know, there I'm at this big interview, and I'm like, okay, this is great. And he says, You're the perfect fit. You know, give me a a, a couple days to pull something together. And and that night. I literally celebrated at a victory party with my friends. We were popping the champagne course because I, I had no money. People were bringing me casseroles. I was like nervous <laughs> that I was really going to like just, you know, just, you know, go right down the tubes. And um, of course, a week goes by, nothing. More time goes by, nothing. I get a letter from the advertising agency that says, I'm sorry, we're not hiring right now. Oh. So, and and I have to tell you at that point in time, I was, I was 35 and I had started over more times than even seems possible. And I was about as low as I'd ever been in my life. And I was like, well, I opened my hands. I'm like, well, I don't even know what to say now. I just release all this. I don't know what's going to happen. What's going to become of me, but nothing seems to work out. And shortly after that, there was a new message on my answering machine, and it said, Hi, this is so-and-so from The Oprah Winfrey Show. We were cleaning out an old closet and found your resume. Will you come in and talk to us about freelancing here?
0: Come on.
1: And yeah, it's a total miracle. A new person was hired. She wanted people with more advertising experience. And honestly, years later, what I, I had this epiphany. And I'm like, you know, if that guy... At, had hired you for that fancy job, and you had gotten that big salary after being so scared about how you were going to, you know, pay your rent. Yeah. You never would have quit that job to freelance at the Oprah show. You would have told yourself, "I need security." Oh yeah. And and so then I realized, oh my God, that was the most beautiful no I've ever gotten in my life. And Amy, what I began to realize as I looked through my life the events of my life, and the people I love, and even people I meet now. It's like, you know, tell me about your big heartbreaks. Tell me about the times when life really kicked you, like in the gut, and you just didn't think you could go on, or you felt ashamed or embarrassed or scared. And every single time, those no's are beautiful. Because those are the very things that kind of propel us, get us to turn, propel us to the road that really ho- holds the treasure. And, um, you know, what I realized for myself is what spiritual growth, what, you know, and, and what a way to make happiness my compass if in the moment of that no, I can already know it's beautiful yes. and spare myself the three months of, of heartbreak and disappointment.
0: Yeah, I was just thinking that I thought when you say all this, I think about all the times that I got the no and okay, it was it was for me, it was happening for me, not against me. But the real work is in the future when I get the no. Yeah, to sit with it and say, okay, this is a beautiful no, and I'm going to treat it as such. That's kind of life changing, not to be dramatic, but it is. Yeah,
1: it really is. I just used it. I just used it at an airport counter the other day when my like fifth flight was canceled.
0: I saw that on social. I, I, I'm like,
1: "Can I get on another plane?" She said, "No." And I went like this, "Okay, beautiful no, girl. How it, you know. And here's <laughs> the truth. When you're talking about air travel, I don't want to see what would happen if I would have gotten on that plane." Right? So, I I'll take the no and call it beautiful.
0: Exactly. Okay, guys, the next time you get the no, you say out loud, well, hello there, beautiful no. I see Hi. you. I see you. Okay. that That is just a great lesson. If you take nothing but that from this episode, that's where we're going to wrap it up because I feel like we all can grow in that right there. That can make that's- such a big difference. Sherry, I love the book. I'm going to tell everybody to read it. The Beautiful No, it comes out next week, June 4th, but it's available everywhere books are sold for pre-order now. So guys, in the show notes, I am going to link to where you can grab the book. You can pre-order it. So if you go to amyporterfield.com forward slash 265 I'll link to the book so you could pre-order it right now. And then also, Sherry, tell people where they can learn more about you because you've got the book, but you've got other things going on. So where can they find out more about you? I
1: encourage everybody to come and listen to me and Nance at the, the Sherry and Nancy show on all podcast platforms. That's a lot of fun. So fun. And our, and our digital platform is the Pillar Life
0: The pillarlife.com. We're going to have to have you back because that's a whole other conversation that I want to dive into those pillars. They're so good. So, can we have another conversation down the road? Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Great. I can't wait. Thank you so very much for being on the show. It was truly a treat. Thanks, Amy. Thanks, everybody. Okay. So, there you have it. I hope you loved this interview with Sherry as much as I have. Get your hands on this book. I think you're going to love it as much as I have. Now, I hope you're subscribed to this podcast because I do not want you to miss an episode. So if not, go do that right now. Subscribe to the podcast because I want you to get a notification when next week's episode comes out. Why? I'm going to share an unconventional copywriting method that is a game changer for writing promotional material. So if the thought of copywriting has you wanting to run the other way, join me next week because this method flips the script on traditional copywriting. I can't wait to see you there. Okay, guys, thanks again for tuning in. I can't wait to talk to you again. Same time, same place next week. Bye for now.